practically impossible for me to imagine myself the character. I'm ashamed to have to confess it, but I look more like a young curate than a drunken costermonger, or even a sober one, and the delusion could not be sustained for a moment. It was just the same when I tried to turn myself into a desperate villain. There was nothing of the desperate villain about me. I might, perhaps, have imagined myself going for a walk on Sunday, or saying, bother it, or even playing halfpenny nap. But as for ill-treating a lovely and unprotected female, or murdering my grandfather, well, the thing was absurd. I could not look myself in the face and do it. It was outraging every law of Lavata. My fiercest skull was a milk-and-watery accompaniment to my bloodthirsty speeches, and when I tried to smile sardonically, I merely looked imbecile. But crepe hair and the rouge-pot changed all this. The character of Hamlet stood revealed to me the moment that I put on false eyebrows and made my cheeks look hollow. With a sallow complexion, dark eyes and long hair, I was Romeo, and, until I washed my face, loved Juliet to the exclusion of all my female cousins. Humour came quite natural when I had a rose nose, and with a scrubby black beard I felt fit for any amount of crime. My efforts to study elocution, however, were not so successful. I had the misfortune to possess a keen sense of the ludicrous, and to have a morbid dread of appearing ridiculous. My extreme sensitiveness on this point would have been enough to prevent my ever acting well under any circumstances, and, as it was, it hampered and thwarted me at every turn, not only on the stage, but even in my own room with the door locked. I was always in a state of terror lest anyone should overhear me and half my time was taken up in listening on one side of the keyhole to make sure that no one was listening on the other, while the slightest creak on the stairs was sufficient to make me stop short in the middle of a passage and commence whistling or humming in an affectedly careless manner in order to suggest the idea that I was only amusing myself. I tried getting up early and going to Hampstead Heath, but it was no good. If I could have gone to the desert of Sahara and assured myself by the aid of a powerful telescope that no living creature was within twenty miles of me, I might have come out strong, but not else. Any confidence I might have placed in Hampstead Heath was rudely dissipated on the very second morning of my visits. Buoyed up by the belief that I was far from every vestige of the madding crowd, I had become quite reckless, and having just delivered with great vigour the oration of Antony over the body of Caesar, I was about starting on something else when I heard a loud whisper come from some furze bushes close behind me. Ain't it proper, Liza? Joe, you run and tell Melia to bring Johnny. I did not wait for Johnny. I left that spot at the rate of six miles an hour. When I got to Camden Town, I looked behind me cautiously. No crowd appeared to be following me, and I felt relieved, but I did not practice on Hampstead Heath again. After about two months of this kind of thing, I was satisfied that I had learned all that could possibly be required, and that I was ready to come out. But here the question very naturally arose, how can I get out? My first idea was to write to one of the leading managers, tell him frankly my ambition, and state my abilities in a modest but straightforward manner. To this, I argued, he would reply by requesting me to call upon him, and let him see for himself what I could do. I should then go to the theatre at the time appointed and send up my card, 
He would ask me into his private room, and after a little general conversation on the weather and the latest murder, etc., etc., he would suggest my rehearsing some short scene before him, or reciting one or two speeches. This I should do in a way that would quite astonish him, and he would engage me on the spot at a small salary. I did not expect much at first, but fancied that five or six pounds a week would be near the mark. After that, the rest would be easy. I should go on for some months, perhaps a year, without making any marked sensation. Then my opportunity would come. A new play would be produced, in which there would be some minor part, not considered of any importance, but which in my hands... I had just read the history of Lord Dundreary and believed every word of it, would become the great thing in the play and the talk of London. I should take the town by storm, make the fortune of my manager, and be the leading actor of the day. I used to dwell on the picture of the night when I should first startle the world. I could see the vast house before me with its waves of...